So I don't know if you guys know this or not, but Florida Gators spring practice starts this weekend and the team has a ton of unanswered questions and we're going to get into it here on Locked On Gators. You are Locked On Gators, your daily podcast on the Florida Gators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Lockdown Gators, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever right you listen to podcasts. Happy Thursday. I'm Brandon Olson. Find me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, and NFL 33. And talking about spring practice, because spring practice does open on Saturday for the Florida Gators. There are a lot of unanswered questions, but to me, at least, and I think to the huge majority of Gator Nation, quarterback one is probably the biggest question mark, because I don't know if you know this, but quarterback is a pretty important position to play on the football field. And the Florida Gators in 2020 had Kyle Trask. In 2021, had Emory Jones. In 2022, had Anthony Richardson. And in 2023, we'll have... Graham Mertz or Jack Miller III. And I've said this before, and and my stance on it hasn't changed before. I don't care who gets the start. I'm more comfortable with Graham Mertz being the starter over Jack Miller III. But here's the thing that I think a lot of Gators fans aren't taking into account here. When you look at Graham Mertz, You've got a multi-year starting quarterback, which whether or not you think those were good years or productive years or the tape was good, whatever it might be, plenty of experience. And when stuff hits the fan, you want someone with experience, with leadership, and with, with that ability to take over. And I'm not saying Jack Miller doesn't have that leadership quality. I'm saying that Graham Mertz's resume is stronger in that area. Physically, I genuinely don't think there's a huge difference between these quarterbacks. I think Jack Miller III is more athletic, but I don't think he's athletic enough to where you call him a legitimate dual threat. Like, this isn't comparing Graham Mertz to someone with Anthony Richardson's athletic ability or even not as athletic as Anthony Richardson. This isn't comparing Graham Mertz to someone with Emory Jones's athletic ability. This is comparing Graham Mertz to someone with slightly more athletic ability than he has. So it's not a huge difference changer. You're not going to have to change the entire offense just because you changed your quarterback. None of that. So that's kind of a non-factor for me because it's also one of those things where being elusive in the pocket is what matters, but or not even being elusive, just being able to extend plays is important. You can do that without being super athletic. You know, you could do that just by sensing pressure and having a feel for that. So that's not a difference maker. Being able to be involved as a quarterback in the run game is nice to have 
but obviously you're going to prioritize the quarterback that makes your passing game better. Whether or not you think that's Graham Mertz or Jack Miller III, we'll find out. Like we'll see the spring game this year is probably going to be way more impactful than it was last year because last year I, I feel like it was just like I feel like it did nothing. Because I feel like most of us were in okay, Anthony Richardson is going to be the starting quarterback camp at that time. We'll see what happens with Graham Mertz and Jack Miller the third now until the spring game. But for the most part, last year we kind of knew what it was. This time it could actually be a big determining factor in how these in how the starting quarterback battle works out. Looking at the, the another reason that you kind of have both of these guys come in with a clean slate, Graham Mertz coming in from a different offense, coming in from an offense that was stuck in 1906, coming from a, a just very different situation where now he's not going to be handing the ball off 60% of the time. He's going to be handing the ball off probably closer to 52% of the time and throwing it the rest of the time. So this is a brand new offense for Graham Mertz to get involved in. This is going to be a different looking Graham Mertz, not even because he's made these significant strides, but because the offense is going to look different. You're going to see way more snaps from the shotgun or the pistol as opposed to so many under center that he took with Wisconsin because Wisconsin's like, hey, we're going to put five offensive linemen on the field, a, a tight end that's basically a sixth offensive lineman, a fullback and a big running back, and we're going to line up under the eye and we are going to run that mother trucker down your throat. Florida wants to run the ball a lot too but they're going to do it out of the pistol or out of the shotgun. So that's also different because it's also going to put Graham Mertz in a better opportunity to succeed as a passer because he doesn't have to drop back from under center. He's already got a little bit of a stop. and He could, he could take his little drop steps and make his read and get the ball out quickly if he can do that successfully. It's also just different because you're no longer turning your back when you're running play action, which I will say... I understand the thought process of when you run play action, you want to be able to keep your eyes on the field. You want to be able to read things. Yes. But it's it's also so disrespectful to the traditional under center bootleg. Like, I, I know Graham Mertz isn't probably going to find a ton of success with that. But, like, Peyton Manning scored rushing touchdowns by going under center with a boot and just having wide open space. Uh, so, come on. Like, like that that's... Stop disrespecting that part of the, and that's the only thing that I'm gonna say I like uh, about Wisconsin's offense. That's the only thing, but it, it's it's a cool thing. Don't disrespect it. So Graham Mertz, Jack Miller, also completely clean slate because Jack Miller, like I've talked about multiple times, people want to hold the Las Vegas Bowl against him, and I just don't think you can do that in good faith. Because again, Jack Miller was someone who, for the entire season, was injured. He had surgery on his thumb, couldn't grip a football, couldn't practice. And I've talked about this before. This isn't like, you know, he banged up his ankle or something where he could still make the throws. Or it's not his non-throwing shoulder or his non-throwing arm injury. This was directly to him being able to throw the football and get into a rhythm with receivers. So he didn't have that rapport he didn't have any practice, really, to begin with going into the bowl game. He wasn't expecting to start because by the time that he was healthy, he was QB3. 
It was Anthony Richardson as QB1, and Anthony Richardson, of course, declared for the NFL draft, where he will be an early first-round pick, and then he opted out of the bowl game, which was very smart for him. And Jalen Kitna, who, of course, got arrested and then dismissed from the program and the university, and so Jack Miller was kind of thrown into the starting pile. Add on to that, he's missing one of his top two receivers in Justin Shorter, He's missing the best offensive lineman, the best guard in the country, maybe the best offensive lineman in the country, Osiris Torrance. And he was working with a playbook that was so high school style. I don't know really what that was with Billy Napier calling the offense in the bowl game, but that that offense looked like high school offense. Uh, So this is just two QBs coming in with a perfectly clean slate. Because even last year, the QB battle, most of us knew Anthony Richardson was going to start going into the battle, no matter who he was going against. And then it just became Anthony Richardson. It was like, okay, yeah, like that was expected. So this is two QBs going into this quarterback battle with completely clean slates. And Florida needs to find an answer for who their starting quarterback is going to be for the 2023 season. But there's also many positions that need to be filled because... There was so much roster turnover, which we're going to get into. But first, today's episode of Locked on Gators is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, America's number one sportsbook. And do you like how yesterday I was like, I'm going to I'm gonna tell you what, what my parlay is, and it's going to hit, and then it didn't at all? Uh, yeah, that was super fun. But hey, you know, it, it's still fun to do. New customers can get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. So don't miss the chance to get your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Thanks again. Rain Locked On Gators, your first listen of the day. We're available daily and free wherever you listen to podcasts. And At the end of last segment, I kind of alluded to there's way more roster turnover than just at quarterback, and that is true. (laughs) You're looking at even, like, depth, too, is completely different now. The transfer portal changed this roster completely. Florida had 20 incoming high school players, 10 transfer portal players incoming, okay? They lost a bajillion players to the transfer portal this offseason. I believe the number is actually like 27 or 28. Uh, So there was that much change where your running back depth, different. Your starting quarterback is going to be different, obviously, also from the transfer portal, Graham Mertz. Running back depth is going to be different because you still got Trevor Etienne and Montreal Johnson, but you lost Naquan Wright, you lost Lorenzo Lingard. You also added Cameron Carroll. Your tight end room is probably the least impacted room by transfer portal, NFL draft, and high school recruiting because you didn't bring in a 2023 kid, although you could argue Tony Livingston is basically a 2023 commit. You didn't lose anybody to the NFL draft. And the guys you lost to the portal, if I'm not mistaken, the only people who were classified as a tight end that you lost to the portal were Nick Elksness and Griffin McDowell. So... Not a ton, not a ton of impact considering Griffin McDowell. I believe only played in the Eastern Washington game, and Nick Elksness barely played. And of course, had had the tweet during halftime of I think it was the Georgia game, um, which yeah, receiver room. You lost Justin Shorter. You lost Dejon Reynolds, who is probably going to step into a larger role. You lost a lot of guys, and you brought in three very good freshmen. Three freshmen that 
pretty much Gator Nation unanimously is very high on, which is weird because Gator Nation almost never agrees on things, but pretty unanimously, they agree. Wide receivers that came in for the 2023 class, we love them. Okay. Offensive line, obviously a ton of turnover. The only true starter that's carrying over to 2023 is Kingsley Guacan. Austin Barber was a rotational and spot starter, so he's not considered a true starter here. And Kingsley Aguakin was arguably, if you even want to argue it, the worst offensive lineman, though the worst starting offensive lineman from this group. You lost Ethan White and Michael Tarquin, both to USC. Osiris Torrance is going to maybe be a first-round pick. We'll say top 40 pick. He should be top 40. I think we can agree on that. Richard Garage, NFL draft. That that's your your whole offense is going to look very different just based on depth and starters changing. Players who are getting bumped up the depth chart because of outgoing transfers. You know, we weren't necessarily talking about some guys as starters that might be talked about as starters because of the transfer portal or because or not even as starters, just being second string because of the transfer portal. But that's where we're at now. And there's also just so much change on the defensive side of the football because a a ton of people left. Both your starting safeties, NFL draft. Both your starting off-ball linebackers, NFL draft. One of your starting defensive tackles, NFL draft. Like uh, starting Jack at the start of the year, kicked off the team. Ton of change there. Freshman class is huge. And very highly rated and very highly regarded. And guess what? They're probably going to contribute early. TJ Searcy. Like, I know that I spoke about this a couple weeks ago. Where I was like, hey, TJ Searcy is someone who's probably going to be playing Jack. Probably won't play much this year. That dude added weight quickly when he got to Gainesville. Like, he added weight quickly. There was a video that came out with him and Shamar lifting uh, that came out on, I believe it was Tuesday. And and it was an awesome video to see. TJ Searcy looks jacked considering what he looked like in high school so he's probably going to find some playing time at jack which is an incredibly thin position right now on this roster incoming transfers cam jackson caleb banks who's gonna rise at d tackle manny nunnery tiraja mitchell deuce spurlock who's gonna rise as an off-ball linebacker stuff like that cam carroll what's his role so much of this roster turnover just leads us with so many questions for the Florida Gators, and, and I know that they're questions that I myself have, as and many others have, in Gator Nation, because it, it's just an unknown. It, it's what's going to happen. I don't know. We'll find out. Like so, there's there's so much question or so many questions because of this roster turnover that I've said it, it's hard to project what the Florida Gators are going to do in 2023. What what their win total is going to be? Is this going to look like a four or five win team is this going to look like a nine win team we don't know because not only do we not know the depth chart yet which we won't know the depth chart really but not only do we not know the depth chart we don't know what these guys are going to look like in this offense what who's going to be the starting quarterback we don't know just how drastically different the defense is going to look under austin armstrong which we'll get to in a second we don't know so much that it's so hard to project. And it's that's like half the fun of this, right? That That's my favorite part of the offseason is going, someone's got to rise, right? And if they don't, then we're really screwed. 
But uh, that that's my favorite part. And obviously, or, well, I'll say my second favorite part because we all know, I, and as Gators fans and listeners like to remind me, I am a nerd. That's fine. Um, and the coaching changed. And coaching matters a ton in football and to me just as, as a nerd. So what changed there? We're going to talk about it right after a quick word from our sponsors. Thanks again for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day to wrap up today's show. And by the way, thank you for liking, subscribing, comment, reviewing. Appreciate you being here. But to wrap up today's show, coaching changes are the next biggest thing that are that are an unknown going into spring practice. And we're going to start with this. Right now, at the time of recording this, Florida does not have a wide receivers coach hired, does not have a tight ends coach hired. Again, at the time of recording this Wednesday evening. No tight end coach, no wide receiver coach hired. Spring ball starts in two days. So, yeah, that's a cause for concern. But I will also say, I think that it's being a bit overplayed and a bit exaggerated about not having those position jobs filled yet for a couple of reasons. One, this is a massive staff that the Florida Gators have. You've got people who can help out and, and can kind of shoulder the load for now. Help wide receivers. You know who used to be a wide receiver coach? Billy Napier, literally your head coach, Alabama wide receivers coach. He can handle it for spring practice. He can handle that. Okay. Not concerned about that. Tight end coach. I genuinely don't even know how good of an actual position coach William Peekler was. I've always thought of him as just an extension of the recruiting class. We give him a position coach because, hey, that makes you look a bit better. That gives you more experience. That gives you more pay and allows us to keep you on board. Because William Peekler, running back coach at Michigan State, tight end coach with the Florida Gators. Do you know what he's doing now when he joined Patrick Tony with the Arizona Cardinals? Because I know a lot of people were like, oh, Patrick Tony hiring a defensive guy and then he's bringing an offensive guy with him. William Peegler is now a defensive assistant for the Arizona Cardinals. So that's yet another guy where not, not doing the job. That's like another reason where I'm like, Hey, I really don't think it was that big of a loss at tight end coach specifically. I think it was a big loss on the recruiting trail, but at the same time we're talking about position coaches during spring. So yes, it's important to have those needs filled, but I also think right now, you're okay with it. Like David Decker is is my guy that I want to get hired as the wide receivers coach. Put Eric Keesaw at tight ends coach. Figure that out. But I don't think you should rush into it just because spring ball starting, we need guys there. I'd rather go, okay, yeah, the first week of spring practice, we didn't have our wide receiver coach or our tight ends coach. But we went through the process and we hired a guy that we're comfortable with at both of those spots. Hell yeah, then. Then then sure, because I'm not going to care if long-term it's better for the team. So yeah, also again, massive coaching staff, ton of assistants that can pick up the slack a little bit. And they saw Kerry Colbert do it last year. Whatever William Peegler did last year, they saw William Peegler do that last year. I'd like to think that they can kind of pick up that slack again, especially if you distribute it throughout, you know, three assistants at that position, then great. You're fine. And also, I I don't know if this is just me putting too much stock into it, but I could absolutely see Billy Napier going because I know right now they're still doing wide receiver hire or wide receiver interviews, wide receiver coach interviews. 
So I'd imagine that Billy Napier, if the Florida Gators go into spring practice without a wide receivers coach or without a tight ends coach, Billy Napier will use that time to evaluate potential internal hires there. He'll look at David Decker and go, okay, look, you've got at least the first couple of days as the wide receiver guy right now. Let's see how you do with it. And kind of use that to determine, yep, he's our guy, or nope, he's not ready yet. Great. Defensively, how is the defense going to look? How different is it going to look? Because that's still been my question with Austin Armstrong. Is Austin Armstrong blitzed 40% of the time with Southern Miss? Is he going to blitz less with the Florida Gators because he's got better players? Is he going to blitz more with the Florida Gators because he's got better players? Because he's like, okay, well, now I have better players so, so I can get more aggressive because on the back end, they're going to be better in coverage so I can be more aggressive with it. Is he going to blitz the same? Because he's like, hey, I like blitzing 40% of the time. That's what I like doing. Sue me. So how is that going to change? How is this def- How are the defensive players going to adapt to it? And I will say this also because I've been on the show and I've been saying, yes, Austin Armstrong and Patrick Tony are similar defenses, but Austin Armstrong is considerably more aggressive. How is that going to impact things? And I've had comments that are basically saying it's almost the same defense, so it's not difficult to carry over. Y'all know this isn't Madden, right? Like, like we're not playing PS5 right now. This is a new playbook, new terminology, new ways to be taught how to do the same thing. Like, I, I've played different spots with Cover 3, or I've played Cover 3 at different spots, and I've had different places tell me this is how we play it here. Florida plays it differently than other places as well, so that's different. Also, it's like there's new terminology in in terms of Madden, you just click cover three sky. Coaches aren't going out there and going, go cover three sky and just yelling that to their fan, to their uh, player. No, they have specific terms to classify and identify what they want to do on that play. So they have to learn that. And what if there's a similar term? You know, what if, I, I don't know. What if I say, I'm, I'm looking at, what if I say can as that that's my cover three cloud and then i say ban as my cover three sky that or a different defense it says cover three ban or says ban for cover three sky and it's like well now we're all confused because similar sounding words mean completely different things and, and junk like that that's a horrible example but it's what i'm throwing together off the top of my head to kind of paint this picture for you so yes it's a similar defense schematically and down to its fun foundations except it's more aggressive than patrick tony's was but you still have to learn the playbook you still have to learn the terminology you still have to learn how to play it the way that austin armstrong wants you to play it which may or may not be different from how patrick tony wanted you to play things so yes it's going to be different like that's going to be a change that happens how will the defense adjust to it We'll find out, evidently, but that, that's what I'm talking about when I say learning this new defense, because same, same, but different. Thanks for making Lockdown Gators your first listen of the day. Every day, we're available daily and free wherever you listen to the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow to talk more Florida Gators football. For your second listen, check out Lockdown SEC, hosted by Chris Gordy of Sports 790. Get the best coverage on the best conference, including the best university, University of Florida for Lockdown Gators. I'm Brandon Olson. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at WNS underscore Brandon. Find all my written work with Whole Nine Sports, Giants Country, and NFL 33. And I will see you all 
tomorrow.